Hello and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me as always is Curtis. How was your uh, how was your holidays, Curtis? I survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you I'm got surviving. like your kid is kind of like in prime holiday spirit now, right? Oh, he he and his mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heather, Heather, Heather is, um, is, is a complete, uh, secularist Christmas, uh, uh, non-theistic sort of, uh, commercialistic, like she just loves the shit. Like she just, she, she loves the holiday. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's her, it's her time of the year. And it's, and as expected, you know, with a four-year-old with a mother like that, like he's just in the throes of it too. And, you know, I mean, I've spent many years as an adult sort of like not being so into the holiday because of various sort of, you know, things and stuff like that. But, you know, being a, being, being a father uh, later in life and, you know, having a four-year-old and having him, you know, experience the joy of just running around the room in excitement that like you know this <laughs> fat little elf came down the chimney and dropped off shit for him you know it's super exciting and fun and engaging and, and i love it for that i love I, I love i love the happiness that it brings people on, on that that was me that when I the love. seahawks yeah. went to the super bowl what's that that was me when the seahawks went to the super Bowl. yes that was that that was that was the, yeah 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 that, yeah 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 Alana, nice to see you back. Thank you. Was, yeah, uh, you had a you had a, a wonderful um, uh, vacation travel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we were gonna fly to Disneyland last Tuesday, or yeah. fly to LA, and then the flight got canceled, um, like on Monday night. And I rather than stress myself out we decided to i still didn't do the podcast because i had family totally. here and it would it would have been a chaotic uh and then we rescheduled it from tuesday to wednesday night and then on wednesday about 10 minutes before we left for the airport they canceled that flight Good god and then they rescheduled us for friday at 6 a.m and i was on the phone with the people who um you have to talk to to reschedule these flights and i was like I'm looking at the weather forecast and Friday morning at this last Friday at 6 a.m. It was supposed to be like 20 degrees and freezing rain. And I was like, do you actually think the planes are going to take off? And it was dead, <laughs> dead air on the other end. Uh, and I was like, OK, OK. So I was like, let's bump that to Friday evening. But then when we went to try and change our hotels to Disneyland, they were going to have to charge us like 800 extra dollars yeah, in order to, to exchange our dates. Um, yeah. Because we needed to stay in a um, handicap uh, or an accessible handicap accessible room, uh, and the only ones they had of those were premium view rooms. And I'm like, why don't you just give it to us for the same price? Because we we've already you know we're your valued customers, right? We're family because it's Disneyland. And they were like, nope, it, it will cost this much more. So I checked with my in law and my father in law, and we just canceled it. And then it was like a lot of tears um from my kiddo who's oh, man. Uh, who's also a very much of a holiday celebrator um though keeping in mind we do hanukkah rather than christmas um and so like it, it, that celebration is you know eight 
solid days of celebration and gift giving and, and right. everything like that, um, which is great. But uh, yeah, we had we had planned to you know be at Disneyland and in LA, but instead we went to the Great Wolf Lodge, which is was fine, but also like it's not Disneyland. It's not Disneyland. Yeah, but. Yeah. So I was saying to Curtis earlier, I think I gave myself whiplash uh, by falling on the ice, uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, and so it, it kind of reduced my ability to experience the wonder and majesty that is the Great Wolf Lodge. But um, I still had a good time. And uh, we had a great meal at McMinim- the McMinimans, McMinimans in Centralia. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, the best goddamn bread pudding i have ever had in my entire life <laughs> really it was unbelievable uh and i really wish i had been stoned while i was eating it because it would have just been unbelievable but yeah so i'm grateful that the the bad part of the holiday is over and uh and move we're going to move on to new year's where i have a 12 course meal planned and i'm very excited for that um, but I will yeah. end this so we can talk about other more important things. Like that 12-course meal. Millie, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going pretty well. Yeah. How yeah. were the holidays? The, uh, they were good. You know, we're pretty low-key. It's just the hubs and my dad, and we get together on Christmas Eve. Um, I did do a lot of cooking, which I don't normally. Like, I always want to plan, like, some big meal, and I'm always slightly regretful. Um, this year, not only did I plan a nice meal, I also was like, I'm going to make that breakfast casserole that I always swear I'm going to make. And uh-huh. so I did, and it's delicious. Um, but that was a lot of work. <laughs> so <laughs> then it was time to make the actual like ham dinner Christmas Eve with the family. And I was like, oh my God. My mother also made a breakfast casserole and it too was delicious. The first time I remember having a serious Christmas morning breakfast casserole was actually a, a a very good friend of mine, Nicole Vernon. We, we had a bit of an orphan's Christmas. My dad was out of town and I was living with him at the time. And, um, she, along with some other friends that many of, you know, um, uh, Linda Lombardi, I think it was the two of them that actually spent the night, the Mm -hmm. three of us spent the night I think we might have all slept in the same bed like I mean we were basically 15 year old girls it was uh (laughs) wonderful and in the morning Nicole had made this amazing breakfast casserole which was not something we had done in my family uh that she had brought the night before and so ever since then I've been like I gotta do that so I finally did that and it felt really good and it's delicious and probably the best thing I made um (laughs) to be honest but I also (laughs) did my very first uh short rib beef short rib so oh what uh, style did you cook it cook it in um i did it in a um in an instapot actually with a and it was a red wine oh nice so like a french yeah i was curious if french or korean right right and i've now had two offers from a family for um korean style so maybe i'll try that next time but it came out it came good it was my sides that weren't good because i paid all the attention to the mains yeah sorry to make flip you off um <laughs> i've got some good korean style beef short rib recipes oh, really if you're interested yeah and i will just you know to uh 
because I know you all want to know. I, I did lose both of my fantasy games this last weekend. Oh, um, man. Down in the oh. constellation brackets, I continue Oof. the uh, slide to the bottom. The, the, the deep descent down. Yeah. Yep. It's fine. Yeah. Well, the Seahawks are doing that now, too. They've lost now, <laughs> what, five of their last six? Is that what we're up to? Six of the yeah. last seven? Yeah. Five, of the last five of six. six. Yeah. It's not um, over yet. um here's the so here's the thing so last week on this podcast i was i was saying you know the only thing i would be disappointed in in this season is uh is if we had a true regression like all i wanted to see was a team get better um and we're playing with house money if we miss out on the playoffs for me that's not uh that's not a failure of a season Mm -hmm. if we end up you know, eight, nine or nine and eight, you know, I think we're going to be okay. That chiefs game. When you look at the score looks a lot worse than I think it actually was. Um, and I, I, I just kind of like wanted to get your opinions. I thought the defense played okay. Um, I, th- I thought the offense um, was very inconsistent. Uh, they had a hard time they could move the ball and then they would just get tied up somewhere. Uh, they just couldn't get any points on the board, uh, but they were moving the ball pretty well. The run game was, was working. Okay. DK Metcalf was, uh, was actually had like a pretty good game. Um, so when I, when I think of that, I, I, I think, Oh, this team isn't as bad as I, I had kind of like was a, matching it in my head where this team just got their butts kicked. They went toe to toe with Patrick McCombs, uh, gave him his worst game of the season. Um, and like, I, that should be considered a win. Uh, this is a good team. And we were playing them on the road um, for this Seattle team. I considered it. Uh, I considered it a, a, a good game. Um, even though I, had, I totally have to agree uh, with you. I think uh, it, it largely came down to just a slow start. And like, uh, and I think that that can really be attributed to playing on. A, uh, I know they had heaters under the field, but playing on an icy surface or like a, in that cold uh, in front of, yeah, in front of that type of uh, environment where it's loud and the people are really like, jumping to be there uh the fact that they went down 17 to 3 in the first half um was disappointing and everything looked really looked really disjointed on offense but then they pitched a shutout in the third quarter and only allowed what one 10 additional points in the fourth i mean it was it was it was still a loss i can't remember what the final score was but i think um, it was like 24 to 13 24 10 24 10 and they both scored seven in the fourth quarter yeah um, but the Chiefs, Kansas City had 295 yards of total offense. Yeah. And if you would have told me at the start of the season that our defense or it midway through the, that the season that, or sorry, when they were getting gashed by Carolina, by Raiders, by all these other teams, um, that they would hold the Chiefs to 295 yards total and only 78 77 rushing yards i mean that's a victory even if it's a loss it's a victory and the fact that we were able to kind of restart the running game because that chiefs defense was playing they were playing over their heads they were i mean they don't that defense doesn't play like that most of the season 
Uh, and then when you kind of couple that with the 49ers game um, that they lost in a lot the same fashion where they played them tough, uh, and we all kind of came out of that feeling like it was a victory. It, and not, I'm not a victory, but like it felt good. It felt like a lot better than where we were at the start of the season. Um, we've we've taken these two teams that are at the top of the class in the NFL. Like yeah. I think it's honestly Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo, Kansas City, San, uh, San Francisco. Maybe Philadelphia. Um, those are your, and maybe uh, Cincinnati. Like those are your five teams that that I think have a legitimate chance of walking home with the the um, Super Bowl trophy. Um, and we played both of those teams intensely and well and with meaning in in the game. So I'm I'm walking away like, you know, we can we could finish nine and eight and make the playoffs uh, or we could finish eight and nine and not make the playoffs. Uh, And I feel like my eight and nine um, uh, prediction at the start of the year uh, feels really natural to me. And like, whether or not we make or miss the playoffs, it's like good season, good season. Yeah. Agreed. Well, what, what do you think, Millie? I think I didn't see a lot of the game. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Um, my, I set up a, a recording that didn't record correctly. So I unfortunately entered this game, um, in the third quarter. Yeah. So I didn't, there's something about when you do that and you're that far behind. So feel things just don't feel good. So I was, and I had all this stuff from going shopping at the grocery store. So I was very distracted. So I'll be honest with you, I did not really watch this game very closely. So as far as this game goes, yeah, because of what you all said, I've gone and I've looked at the stats and, you know, the visual is such a great storyteller and it's pretty straight down the middle, you know, the score should have been closer. The score should have been closer. And and in no way am I disparaging Gino, but that one interception in the end zone is the difference between that score looking closer, right? Yeah. But that's just, and that's just one play. And those, but, what, like three fourth downs, they didn't convert. They took points off the board by going for it on fourth down too. Right. Yeah. But they were also, I and mean, they were three for six on fourth down, which is, you know, uh, shows you how many times they tried it. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. On the one hand, you're happy to see that. A 50% success rate. <laughs> on the other hand, that was a lot of going for it on fourth down. Um, I agree. So I I don't really know what to make of that game. It was my, you know, it was my upset special. I was really hoping to see some fireworks. Mm. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is how fun it is to watch the Seahawks win or lose. They're competitive, yada yada. And again, didn't come into it with the right energy, but I just didn't feel that. It yeah. felt hard and desperate it didn't feel fun and you know crushing penalties i just it wasn't my it wasn't a fun game so what i really want is uh the next two games to just be really fun and i think they could be and you know we're not going to talk too much more about the seahawks this this episode of the pod so i just want to say i hope that they do really well in these last two games i'm excited to see it all the same shit i said last week go hawks go hawks i I also think uh that you know 
losing Tyler Lockett for that game, uh, I think against that team and against that defense hurt him. I, I think they could have converted a few more third downs if they had our little pocket Lockett running those slot routes. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I know. hey, quick sidebar though. So I finally, for Christmas, the hubs, he gave me my Lockett jersey that I've said I want a Lockett jersey for years and nice. years. It's like three sizes too big. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you, bet, so, you know it just means when you go to the games, you can put it on over a parka. It's my own fault because I'm like, no, no, no. You gotta, you gotta get bigger than that. You gotta get bigger than that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, all right, yeah, they kind of run large. <laughs> they do, they, they do. do, and we did measurements, but like it does not match up at all to the measurements. Um, mm. it, it, it's fine. I just, uh, yeah, I had no, You're I don't have it. my locket jersey like yet, but it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Curtis? How do you, you feel about the game? Um, <clears throat> I had a hard For time tracking you the game because I was in a chaotic uh, post-ice storm uh, situation down in Portland where my wife decided she needed to do a bunch of last minute Christmas shopping. So between listening to it in the car and sitting and watching it on my phone in a parking lot in various parking <laughs> lots, um, I I mean, to me, it just wasn't very impressive from what I was, I mean, I think defensively it was, but, you know, I mean, the offense over the last few games, I feel has been on kind of a regression more you know like they've i think gino's sort of leveled out a lot of his play um from where he was in the first half of the season um and um the interior of the offensive line feels really beat up and um that's where um, i i see a lot of i think i think i think there's deficiencies at at center and guard you know and i think i feel like that's where the pass rush really affects gino yeah and without the balance of the run game and without the balance and without the 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 extra security blanket of Tyler Lockett I mean it just puts sort of more pressure. I feel like they almost have to go to more Ken Walker to sort of hide the deficiencies of how they can get exposed in the passing and because um I think that Austin Blythe is sort of playing like um like a hippopotamus on roller skates right now uh, <laughs> in pass protection and it's not it's just not fun you know i mean they should they sh- i think they should minimize the amount of volume passes that they do um and so i think that like the last six games has been sort of more telling about like you know what the team needs to do next off season you know mm-hmm. more than you know what they can do i i mean i i think they can I think they're fully capable of going out and winning the next two games. And with too. a little bit of luck, you know, with my understanding is if they win the next two and if Washington drops one of their next two games, we're in the playoffs. And, and, and that's that uh, completely, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that those, feels plausible. Those are, to those me. are odds. Those are good yeah. odds. Yeah. 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 Those are good but odds. I just, you know, what I would like to say is just a uh, uh, sort of, regurgitation of what i said last week i mean my hope is that they just finish it out strong you know that this time last year we lost a disappointing game a really super disappointing game 
to the bears that came in and sort of um, beat us with their backup quarterback. I think it was right. Something mm-hmm. was it Foles. I think it was Foles. And it was a pretty pathetic and it was a very lackluster game. And then in the following week, um, everyone was nervous about how we would play the Lions because they were looking like they were a little bit more upstart and they came into town and we rolled on them. Yeah, very was, that was a fun game with it, with it, with it, with it, with it, with a whole lot of, you know, Rashad Penny. And then they, we yeah. closed down the season by going down to Arizona and beating a playoff team in the same sort of thing. So I'm kind of hopeful that that Carol can sort of spark this same sort of magic with this team this year. And I always feel like and I, I get the whole thing like, you know, you, you know, if this team isn't like super built up for the playoffs you know, losing isn't the worst thing because then you get higher draft picks and all this sort of stuff. But I just sort of feel like with the young talent that is on this roster right now, I feel like finishing strong would be best. I agree. It and, would be best you know, for them to feel that and and to get a taste of that as opposed to going into next season, you know, with with whatever various uncertainties. And, you know, and I got to say, like, you know, if they lose out, you know, um, going, you know, going one and seven in the second half of the season isn't a really great look, you know. Yeah. And so like that, I and who knows what that might inspire, how that shifts the thinking of like ownership in the front office and all that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, I just feel like, you know, um, I just love to see him finish strong. I would, too. Um, and I I hear that Tyler Lockett has a chance of coming back um, for at least uh, the last game of the season. Um, so that would be kind of cool, too. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we talk about it? So the Jets are going to be coming to town. Um, this Jets team, like that defense is for real. Um, really? But Zach Wilson is horrible. <laughs> he won't be playing. He won't yeah, be he's playing. already been benched. Yeah. Yeah, but and then um, who's Michael White? Is that the is Mike that White? Mike, Mike White. Um, it's not like he's that much better. Uh, so he's a lot know. better. He's yeah. a lot better than Zach Wilson. Yeah. He's, like, he's played team better. plays for him. Yeah, they, they I think the jury's like still out as to how good he actually is, but he's right. he's played better than. Yeah. Yeah. He's had yeah. two two fantastic games, and then he got basically punctured in the ribs so we don't know yet how good he is but he has incredible potential Mm -hmm. and i think he showed up in the way that purdy showed up where people were like oh oh okay maybe maybe there's something here yeah we won't know because he got hurt so we'll see against the seahawks i think that's going to be a huge test assuming he plays which it looks like he will he's gonna yeah so uh, what do you think, Curtis? How's this game going to go? I'm going to do a Homer thing. I'm going to say, uh, I think, um, I think, I, I think Carol rallies this team and um, they're trending. They're actually trending. They're trending better on defense. And I've been super down on this defense pretty much most of the season, but the way they played the 49ers, who have a way better offense than the jets do um and the way they played um you know mahomes who's 
and that offense is way better. I mean, the, the Jets is pretty much the defense. Like that's 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 yeah. right there. So um, if Seattle's defense keeps trending the way it is, I think we can beat them. 23-19, we'll say. Close game. I like it. Would that be Scorigami? Feel, that feels like Scorigami. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've seen like old Seattle – San Francisco 49ers with Jim Harbaugh type finishes mm-hmm. like that before in the past. What do you think, Millie? Um, it's funny because uh, similar to Kansas City, I had this as a big upset, but I no longer feel that way because I am wrong about everything. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Homer on this one too. I think now we're in that nothing left to lose place um i i think the jets are a little on their heels after the the quarterback situation um and how things have gone for them the last couple of weeks i think it's it's a nickelodeon slime game i know so it's the who doesn't want to be game. on that video like you know come on give me some noah fan in the end zone with the slime um i'm all about it so i actually by the way we are we are favored to win in the odds books it's seattle right. by uh one and a half points right now uh so i'm gonna go um hawks 27 jets 21 lana what do you got i i have the hawks gotten score Johnny. i don't think they have sorry you're didn't they didn't they oh. do a scorigami earlier this year they did it was in okay. the new orleans game yeah. Got it. So then I won't call that. Um, I was I was gonna say twenty five to eighteen, Hawks, <laughs> just for the sake of fuck it. Yeah, twenty five to eighteen, Hawks. I think <laughs> I, I, may as well. Like you know, Pete Carroll and his origami. Um, I just think that we're a better team, uh, and they're. Um, it'll be fun to see Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen. Um, yeah. I think that that'll be. Like seeing those on the same, so those two dudes on the same playing field, and I think that Tariq gets a pick, um, uh, and I think that it might be what elevates him to that uh, rookie of the year. Man, that would be awesome. My, I, my brain wants to say this is going to be a low-scoring game, but my intuition is saying this is going to be a high-scoring game. I just feel it in my gut. I think this offense is going to come alive for the first time in like five weeks. And uh, I think K-9 looks good. He looked really good last week. Um, He was like cutting and juking and jiving. And he was doing all the stuff he was doing, you know, earlier this season um, and making like really great plays. Um, I think it's Seahawks 34, Jets 28. Sorry, 34-28? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That would not be Scorigami. <laughs> yeah. Dan's going all in. I love it. That'd be going all in. Classic but this is Keto a kitchen Smith sick game. And Mike White shootout that That's everyone right. was anticipating before the season began. 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i yeah i i think uh the jets will probably (laughs) lean on the run game a little bit this this one we'll see what the seahawks defense can do with that um uh, you know i mean that was the strength of the 49ers and they held up pretty dang well um so that was nice and then even you know holding a mobile patrick mahomes um that was also pretty impressive so maybe they got it figured out that would be nice uh, I do. I, I, I know it's stupid and cheesy, but I kind of dig those Nickelodeon games. Oh, they're great. They, I totally agree. The, the, the Broncos played the Nickelodeon game last Sunday and uh, Patrick Starr uh, was clowning on Russell Wilson, which I mean, come on. Are you not entertained by that? If for some reason, Sling doesn't carry Nickelodeon. I was trying to find that game. I was so sad that I couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you want to dive into some dorking? Let's dork out about some stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, for end of the year, um, you know, like, let's revisit some of our favorite things that we've dorked about this year. Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to start out. I, I wanted to dork out about my favorite, um, Seattle sports game of the year. And I wanted to give that to, uh, the Mariners when they played the Yankees in that 18 inning classic. I was there, uh, seeing it from a private suite, which was just like, for me, it was perfect sports. Uh, it but was that Luis game, Castillo's first home game too, and right? it was Luis Castillo's first home game. It was an it was just an absolute incredible game. Um, and if it doesn't end up on a top ten list of baseball games for this year, um, you know, then there's there should be some reckonings because that it was is just like it is it, on MLB's top ten of the year. Good. It was one of the most incredible baseball games I have ever watched in my entire life, um, and uh, it just showed the guts of that team um and it was just super super fun to watch uh but i'll leave it up well what, what do we want to talk about what are we dorking out about what's our favorite things who wants to go curtis uh yeah i guess my favorite i probably have multitude favorite sports moments definitely probably the top of my favorite sports moment was uh on my birthday watching uh the mariners um sweep the blue jays in toronto in the playoffs oh, yeah yeah that was uh, um, oh man that was another that was uh I, I was that was almost on that on my yeah. on my top yeah that was pretty that cool was a great that was game cool. Yeah. um being at the last regular season game of sue bird and then her final game uh as a professional basketball player um in the playoffs was pretty special being around the crowd listening to the sue chants the thank yous all that sort of stuff uh getting swept up in the emotions of it um weirdly uh the storm lost both those games uh so there was the emotion of the disappointment that you know she wasn't finishing out and sort of like the kind of you know the fairy tale sort of way which we would love but also sort of being there and just um yeah just just watching an incredibly special um 
you know, lifelong Seattle athlete, um, hang it up was really super cool. And then I would say, um, uh, being invited by the Seattle Seahawks to, um, to be a part of their, uh, documentary series, the sound and talk about my experiences and perspectives of being a lifelong Seahawks fan, uh, was super duper special. Um, so those would be my big three sports moments. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that is that episode number four that that you were on of the sound uh it was episode six episode six if if uh if you haven't seen it anybody listen to this check it out it's a really really fantastic episode um and curtis uh he he has a lot to say it's really he has a lot of really great things to say about that um yeah it's good stuff and i think uh there also that one is about the tight ends uh, which is really it was fun. about the tight ends yeah and the tight end yeah. room and their unique those guys are quirky bonds and stuff yeah it was fun yeah yeah that's good stuff um millie what do you want to what, what what are we working out about here well um i guess i uh, real quick some sports moments that meant a lot to me this year um i mean probably you know breaking the streak is is the biggest one yeah. for me. I mean, Big Dumper just mm. turning this team into something special uh, was amazing. And I also was at Sue Bird's last game, and and that was that was really special uh, as well. Um, I've been dorking out a lot about television this year. Uh, yeah, I think the majority of my dorking out in every podcast episode has been about television so um i'd like to talk about some television let's talk about some television end of the year. yeah and i've made a top 10 list i mm. believe alana has also made a top 10 list so we're gonna talk yes. about some tv shows yeah and i want to preface it with something because i had to redo this whole damn list right before we started <laughs> because i had that moment where all of a sudden i went oh shit because i'd gone through all these lists for 2022 of people's best and they help inform me and remind me of things that I watch and you know what you know what I didn't watch until 2022 oh no station 11 so that just <laughs> threw everything up in the air because I finally got really into station 11 and lost my flipping mind over how absolutely amazing it was so that happened um, and then I remember oh, that I also didn't, I also, uh, didn't see yellow jackets until 2022, which was a 2021 show and, and it's fucking phenomenal. So it threw my whole list up is what I'm telling you right now, because I had to get yellow jackets and station 11. And when I think about yellow jackets, I also have to include the wilds because I made the mistake of watching them back to back. <laughs> So if you ever want to get really confused about your trapped somewhere bunch of teenage women in strange circumstances and wacky weird things happen, watch the Wilds and Yellow Jackets back to back and you won't remember 100% which plot belongs to which show. But that did come in at number four. And I bring up those because I know they're on Alana's list because she watched that shit last year. Uh, <laughs> but you will be happy well, and, to know. Yeah, Alana, like Station Eleven would have been high on my list last year. I think 
yeah. think it, I, I remember it being like number three or four. Um, I, think I was, it was just, I, I know for Beth, it was number one, um, uh, but like for all mankind season two was my number one last year. I thought that was a perfect uh, piece of television. Would you, uh, Millie, since we both made top 10 lists, do you want to go back to four, back and forth uh, doing you do your 10, I'll do my 10. Does that yeah, I love it. Yeah, let's okay, do awesome. that. I love it. And, right. and I do want to hear from both of you when you've seen it, Curtis and Dan. This is Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll start with my yeah. number 10, um, which is one that we I know we all love. And I feel kind of weird and bad about it being um, 10 and not higher, uh, is Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. I was behind. I have not finished the most recent season so this is like season one most of season two mm-hmm. um or there's only two right so far correct yes. yeah two okay. so far. um i was lagging behind all of you in starting it and i finally started it and i think by the third episode i started doing something that i only do with shows i really like but i'm scared of how every episode is going to end so I'll go to the next episode and watch like five minutes to figure out like where we're at emotionally, if we've carried anything <laughs> over from the previous episode. And yeah. once my my anxiety is low enough, I stop it. And that's where I'll pick up next. Like, it's such a wonderful show. It's so well written and and the kids are just amazing. And I loved in season two expanding it a lot more to the aunties. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so very special and and in its own class as far as a television show goes for me right now with its blend of of humor and amazing writing um and non-traditional stories ah i just really really dug it and it's number 10 for me it's my Uh, number six actually i i that one ended up in my top five uh reservation dogs for sure yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, is, is it is it between Res Dogs and Andor for you? For who? For me? Yeah, for like uh, top of the year. You know, I've got really super recency bias because um, I just had like a week's worth of free HBO Max, and um, and I totally binged through peacemaker and i couldn't stop watching that show at all and it actually might be my favorite show of the year Uh, and that's taking absolutely nothing away from andor or reservation dogs it's just probably um it just it completely came out of left field for me i had like zero expectations of that and i was just like holy fuck this is really good and it tip, and it really takes place in Washington State, in like the the woodsy parts, of like Olympia, basically. Um, which is, is that really where it's cool. supposed to be located? Is Evergreen that... is like Seattle and south oh, of Seattle. Now I got to watch it again. Yeah, I, there was so much about that show that I don't want to say. I don't want to give any illusions that my childhood was anywhere like near his childhood was and stuff. But being the fact that his character is within the same sort of age range that I'm in and, you know, being a total product of the eighties and all of that sort of, you know, GI Joe shit and like heavy rock and all that sort of stuff that I feel like at least in my circle, 
you know, in like middle school, junior high, high school was kind of all about that sort of stuff. Like there was just a lot, there was a lot that I connected with and it was definitely, um, it was just a really fascinating sort of, um, you know, example of how, like how fucking complex relationships are, you know, mm -hmm. and like, um, and I love the way the season ended and those last final moments where he's sitting down on the porch and the various little beings in his life just sort of sat down with him and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was like, it was, I found it, I found it very um, amusing and sort of moving at the same time. And it's James Gunn. He's your perfect director. And it has me super excited about him taking over um, the whole DC, you know, studios and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm sort of jacked about that because what a coup that seems to be potentially. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably that. Andor was terrific. I, I, I almost timed out on it and was like, not even gonna like watch any further and i'm well we can we can get to Andor. it'll show up again in my life yeah okay i'll just uh, I'll shut <laughs> but i will i will jump in to say since yeah. we talked about it peacemaker also makes my list nice um and it blew my mind but peacemaker's my number two nice oh, wow i'm i'm yeah. with you curtis i think it is it is surprising and delightful it's a redemption story you don't see coming mm -hmm. and it's also just really fucked up and weird so yeah. it's everything that keeps me super engaged um in an especially for an action franchise at its core so it's and a number if, two if for I, me if i can give it it's definitely got the best opening credits of the year yeah oh, oh right. yeah unbelievable I mean, yeah unbelievable yeah. I did, in fact, hurt myself trying to learn the dance. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't um, have to show that to us. <laughs> what do you got, Alana? What's your number 10? So I cheated with number 10. I'm going to just name off a couple of my honorable mentions, which include Peacemaker, uh, the Orville, uh, single drunk female, uh, somebody somewhere, and um, Ghosts. Those are really my the shows that like stuck with me, but aren't in my top ten. And then I cheated a little bit at number ten because I themed it around um, actually well executed queer romances um, that are not queer baiting. For those who don't know, queer baiting is when you hint at there being romantic interest between two characters, but you don't commit to it so that you can get. Uh, all of it without you can get all the positive feedback from the queer community without actually uh, proclaiming that these characters are queer and kind of the the leader of that uh, anti queer baiting is our flag means death um, because it just it it was like oh they're gonna do it aren't they they're gonna flirt and do all this stuff and then they actually connected and they kissed and it was Taiko Watiti and um, oh god what's his name. Uh, Reese, not Reese. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, but the the pirate captain uh, from that, um, and it was it was beautiful. It was hilarious. It was wonderful. Uh, paired with that is Heartstopper, which is just a uh, queer love story between two British boys at a at an all boys school. Um, it was a Netflix show. It was wonderful um, and uh, based on a graphic novel and it really kept the energy of the graphic novel as it told the story. And lastly, at number 10 is A League of Their Own, um, which I just thought was a tremendous 
reimagining of that series and focusing strongly and heavily on how these queer women were a part of this world, a part of this reality back in the 40s. Um, uh, and then also focusing on some other issues that didn't the movie didn't have time for. Um, uh, but really, I, I grouped those three together because they were realized queer stories in otherwise well accepted, uh, appreciated media in a way that I haven't seen uh, uh, meaningfully in a, in a long time. Um, and so, uh, and it, they all kind of also tie into what I view as, so my number four show of the year, which I'll get into, um, taught me what I want out of a TV show. Uh, and every single show on here, with limited exceptions, have it, which is I want it to be three quarters comedy, and then I want it to punch me in the gut. I want to just be emotionally ravaged by it. Um, after having this hilarious experience. Uh, and my number one, my number two, my number three, number four, five, six, like all of them except for my number nine. And, and even my number nine has that too. So it's just, it was such a realization of this tone that I appreciate and, and something that like half hour shows because my list is littered with half hour shows. Um, uh, that's something that they do so well. Um, and it's been awesome to see that, uh, that kind of form as opposed to like to five to 10 years ago, it was all the Breaking Bad, the Mad Men, the, all these shows that are an hour long. Um, and right now the strength in storytelling is really in the half hour shows. So my number 10, again, our flag means death, Heartstopper and, uh, A League of Their Own. I need to see Our Flag Means Death. I am such a huge Taika Waititi fan. And uh, pirates, gay pirates. I mean, buy pirates, really. I mean, come on. Trans pirates, gay pirates, yeah. buy pirates. Yeah, I mean, it's a Taika Waititi show, so it's going to be by energy just in yeah. general. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, what we do in the shadows season four, is that what premiered in yep. 2022? That ended up on my top five. Nice. Um, and uh, and uh, kind of talking about uh, what you were talking about, going back to what you're talking about a little, Alana, about, you know, um, three quarters comedy and then just like that one gut punch. Uh, I thought what we did, what we do in the shadows uh, hit that this season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that in, in ways that they hadn't in previous seasons where they totally. actually got like emotionally real. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I really want my TV to do that. I, I just yeah. like that, uh, that feeling of just being wrecked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we got for number nine? Okay. Um, my number nine show of 2022 that I watched was Andor. Uh, we just finished Andor, uh, last night. I think I saw the final episode and the emotion of, of that show and of finishing it and, and getting to the end. I, I didn't even realize it was the end. We had kind of discussed the fact that this was the last episode and I, I forgot at some point. And so at the end of it, I was like, yeah. And so now, and then I was like, oh, wait, this is, this is the end. Of the I had the same, I had the same effect of, that had the same effect on me. I was just kind of like, oh, cool. I can't wait for next week's episode. And then I was right. just like, 
which is reading about like season finale i was like well yeah, huh? it's, it's, but it's also <laughs> a natural great stopping point at the same time yeah it was it was terrific it was like it finished where it needed to finish it it, like. it it totally finishes where it needs to finish the payoff is absolutely worth the moments where you are like dang does it happen in the last 20 minutes because yeah. it did but it is very purposefully paced it is very purposely designed and and beautifully strangely written mm -hmm. um to put you into a world you think you know and you know nothing about yeah. the idea that you want to go live in the star wars universe and like no no you don't this, <laughs> the star wars yeah. universe is in the middle of a rebellion yeah. against an empire most of us aren't part of the jedi order like that's yeah. not the adventure you're going to have most likely but you know we all like to pretend we're going to be the magical wizard um <laughs> it and because of that it it has obviously the energy of of rogue one because it's the prequel mm -hmm. i mean it's it's we meet cassie and andor and he is not a good person and it is absolutely a redemption story but the the additional storylines, the way they come together, having this, this, oh God, the villain, she's just fantastic. I don't even know the actor's name, but this, the constant, she, the downturn of her mouth is constant. Like yeah. in no way do you think this woman is approachable and she is absolutely believable um, in her role. Mm -hmm. And, and as a woman within this empire in which, you know, especially because of when it was written, like there aren't any women in power. Right. So like, this is what it would take, right? To be a high level general in, in the empire. Um, and there's a lot of storylines we've barely scratched the surface of. So I'm really- I really like it in storytelling when I'm emotionally confused with something like, and I found her very emotionally confusing because, you know, she was- incredibly strong in the face of the misogyny around her and stuff but at the same time she's a fucking fascist she wants to be a leader in a fascist <laughs> empire so, so it's yeah. like, i'm kind of like am i supposed to be rooting for it no i don't think i am no no she's a bad person there and that's part of the beauty of the show and i think part of why some people who don't like star wars like rogue one these are very real people yeah these are not fantasy people none of them are good people there isn't a single person except for the sassy droid who thank god there's a sassy droid but barring the sassy droid no one is is 100 a good person and um even even cassian's mother you know we she comes she's probably the closest thing but uh, her history and and how she came to meet Cassie and either and she's not a good person either none of these people are all good they're all very real though and it's it's a show that's worth your time and there are some acting moments and writing in the final three episodes that just blew me away I I, I kind of love to how the how it shows you um what hopelessness can do to a person like these these people aren't good people because of the world they're living in because they're living in this world of just absolute hopelessness and what else can they do but just 
kind of give into that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And the duality it takes even to be, you know, what other historically we would look at as these, as these good people, like the leader of the rebellion and the person who's bringing all these rebels together. Well, that's not done in a nice way. And, Mm -hmm. and having spies means letting people die. Like that's just part of it. Right. Everyone's complicated. It makes Mm -hmm. for really, really riveting television yeah for me alana what's your number nine so i think um going forward where we have overlap we should wait until the person who has it ranked higher goes to talk about the show does that work for you because like we have overlap my seven is your one uh does that make sense your eight is my two then that way we can speed it up a little bit and we can both talk about it um yeah uh, so my number nine is another tie last time it's uh, because format wise they're similar we are here in Big Brunch. They're both reality shows. One is a reality competition show in the Big Brunch, and the other is a reality um, slice of life show in We Are Here. Uh, the Big Brunch was just a fantastic first season of a cooking show uh, that was hosted by Dan Levy uh, with Sola Alwali as one of the judges, and then another guy whose name I don't remember because he's the standard white guy um, on it. And it was just a really warm, friendly cooking show uh, that had a lot of queer energy, um, which I was there for, uh, and uh, was really focused on letting chefs tell their stories about what they wanted their business to be. And uh, I think the best chef won, um, and I appreciated that. Uh, the uh, We Are Here is the single most important television show on right now. Uh, in my mind, it is about uh, drag, drag queens going to um, oftentimes rural, oftentimes small, oftentimes Florida communities and bringing uh, in people who haven't done drag before to put on a drag show. Um, the season finale is this coming Friday. I'm confident that it's going to stay at my number nine. I'm also confident that I'm going to weep throughout it. It is beautiful storytelling. It is important storytelling. It confronts this strain of anti-trans rhetoric, of anti-gay rhetoric uh, head on in the places where it's happening on these last two episodes. One of the participants in it is a pulse shooting survivor um, who was there that night. Uh, And uh, then there are two trans or there's a trans person, trans woman, and a mom of a trans kid uh, who are participating, uh, and it is it's magic and it's emotional and it's fucking necessary. Uh, and um, your kids will be better by watching it. Uh, they will they will be better people. I've noticed how my kid interacts with uh, queerness uh, because of that show and because of kind of how we talk about it uh it's really positive um uh, it's tremendous and uh really important so yeah uh it's essential viewing i would say it's also both of those are on hbo max i'll move to my number eight now and then yeah go for it you can yeah. do it um better things which is pamela it was originally created by pamela adlon and louis ck uh-huh. and louis ck dropped out after season two thankfully Um, And she has written and directed every single episode since season three. Uh, Season five, which was the finale, was just a masterclass of slice of life storytelling. 
And it has that same kind of Atlanta reservation dogs feel of this could be about anyone in this kind of community going through anything at any time. Uh, and it uh, was very moving. Uh, and it was a tremendous send off to the show as we watched her like say goodbye to meaningful members of, of her family. Um, and it was also frequently hilarious, um, just beautiful acting, beautiful writing, beautiful filmmaking. Um, and she really obviously put so much of herself into it. Uh, she has three daughters in the show. She has three daughters. They're not the same people. Um, and it's just, it's well worth your time. If you haven't seen any of it, I would highly recommend starting at season one and just letting the ride happen. Fully agree. And she is fantastic. Yeah. She's just so, so good. Um, yeah. Millie, what do you got for number eight? My number eight is Alana's number two. So I'm going to skip that for now. I, I pulled up I pulled up the spreadsheet, Alana. I'm on it. Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> got some coordination <laughs> You going can say here. what it is, and we'll talk about it when we get to me. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to ruin suspense. the suspense. Um, my number seven, I believe, is not on your list. Um, well, it is, but it's not a numbered one. Um, my number seven is only Murders in the Building, uh, season oh. two, which we all watched. Um, and I, for me, it was a little bit of a letdown to season one. Season one just had my heart in a way that was a was new mm -hmm. um i think season two is a fantastic season of television mm -hmm. i think it's really fun i think they opened it up and took it in a way that kept the spirit of the show but allowed them to grow which was neat and at the end of the day it's just that these these three characters are just wonderful to watch mm -hmm. and the writing is fun and the visuals are probably my favorite thing. Um, the, the, I, I don't know what all the proper words are, but basically the set design and the, the cinematography and the costuming, it's just all in its own world in a way that very few TV shows can do totally. and they can. So they go all out with it. And I just, I love being pulled into this different world. Um, it's still our world, but it's brighter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, Only Murders uh, is my number seven. And I really liked it too. Um, I just thought it was a step down from season one, like you did. And uh, there was just there were just a lot of other, of other shows that I liked a lot more. But the combination of Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez is like it's magic. And who would have thought that trio would be magic? But they they really are. Yeah, truly, like they share just a, a, a chemistry that is almost unmatched uh, mm -hmm. on on TV. I I felt the same way as you. I didn't I didn't see it as like more disappointing than season one, but season one was just such a surprise for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then season two, uh, you know, you're, you just kind of know what it is. It didn't end up on like kind of my top lists, but. Uh, it's because I was more emotionally invested in some other shows like Reservation Dogs um, and uh, 
White Lotus and Severance and some of these others that um, that I consider uh, uh, at the top of the list. But also, I mean, just really fantastic. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast. Um, I, thought, where, I thought season two wasn't as laugh out loud for me as season yeah. one. And that's what I found myself missing. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it was a huge step down because it was just a very different like I feel like tonally it was sort of different. a little different they would yeah. they wanted to get a more introspective with you know each of the characters going through this whole shit with you know father's shit you know and stuff totally. like that and it was kind of <clears throat> that was cool you know I was mm-hmm. I was good with it but I did sort of feel like that the um you know a lot of the a lot of the pratfalls and a lot of the visual gags that season one was largely built on which is you know iconic steve martin stuff was sort of you know it was almost kind of like i felt like let's not let's not make season two about that anymore let's get into something else sort of thing like that and it kind of expanded yeah. uh, outside of the main trio a little yeah. bit more yeah yeah uh where we're at no, number seven for you alana is that where we're at so my number seven is uh millie's number one um okay so we'll hold off so, uh, unless you want to name it no no, no i i won't spoil okay. it yeah, um, my you number six we've already talked about, which is Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs, um, right. which I'm I I just loved. Uh, I thought it was great. I don't need to talk about it more though. Um, yeah, I'm really glad the, there's the a last season. few episodes of season two were devastating yeah. to me. Oh, for sure. Well, I haven't yeah. watched those yet. Yeah, yeah, you're in for <laughs> Billy a ride. Jack is. There's a reason. I can't get my wife to commit to it. Like she's tried a few episodes and she's just like, I, yeah, she's not feeling it. She feels like they're all a bunch of like delinquent kids. And I'm kind of like, well, you just need to yeah. get into it. I mean, my, one of my favorite moments in season two married was, a delinquent kid. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite moments in season two were, uh, were the, the, were the people who came in to talk about like yep. decolonizing and all uh so wow. good so that's good. the episode i'm on is it ah it's so that's good. a great episode yeah okay okay uh so Millie, where are we at Millie. number six so number five. we're on i think on my number six which it's weird right. I, I i was crossing it out and then somehow it ended up back at number six and i'm just gonna go with it because clearly my brain was like <laughs> no you need to own your horrible taste in television um <laughs> so one of the series that i watched all of um except they just released the beginning of a new season uh was doom patrol mm. uh-huh. uh it's on hbo and i just i just love it it's so weird and it goes off the rails over and over again but it is it is very, it is open and inclusive and fun and different. And I can't say enough about it. You kind of just have to experience it. Um, I know I talked about it a bit, I think last year on the pod, maybe, or the, I guess it would have yeah. been this year still. Yeah. No, it was like the beginning of this year when I started it. And it, it just, it, it it stays at its level. It has mm-hmm. some moments that are better than others. Um, but, you know, jumping into... I can't even think of his name. 
the person who is also a universe uh basically um and and just that whole plot line and idea is still in my brain and you just have to watch it to believe it it's fucking weird and i really dig it and i'm excited to start the new season and it's got brendan fraser in it right mm-hmm. it does yeah it's got a couple Seattle actors. It's got Brendan Fraser and Riley Shanahan uh, is uh, is in it too. It's his yeah, body. Actor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's his body. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, why don't we go to number five? Millie, what do you got for number five? I can't tell you what my number five is because it's Alana's number one. Oh, right. Alana, <laughs> uh, my number five is The White Lotus. I thought season two was a gigantic step up from season one. I loved season one, but I felt like the characters were just so well developed in season two and treated with such care. Uh, And um, I think that Mike White, who is also a different Mike White, the creator of the White Lotus um, is not uh, backup quarterback of the Jets. Not backup quarterback (laughs) of the Jets. But he's... um, a tremendously humanistic storyteller yes. and he was so clearly inspired by uh, the reality of filming in this um, Italian villa or this you know Italian hotel uh, and the fact that were you going to watch it Millie and Curtis yeah I'll watch season uh, two Okay. I've seen season one. Pick it up at some point, but well, then I won't spoil. the The people who had happy endings were the right people to have happy endings, okay. uh, and the people who did not have happy endings, which I mean, in general, it's actually it, it's know that it's a comedy, and that's it. Like, yes. and it's important that you remember that throughout that it's a it's a bedroom farce with teeth. Uh, and I think that'll affect your watching of it in a very positive way. But I just thought it was it was really great storytelling, and I was riveted. And I didn't care what the mystery was or how the mystery was solved or anything like that. I just wanted to watch it for the storytelling, and it just landed. So, Mike yes. White even came out and said, you know, in in the first season, framing it around a dead body was purely just to get people to watch it that he yeah. actually had he didn't care about that as the overall theme or emotional uh investment or whatever it was purely get eyeballs and now it's a pattern so they're just gonna like you know start every season with dead body uh but the maybe, dead body <laughs> or yeah but it's purely just a device uh yeah. and um it, 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 don't expect the payoff that to be the payoff expect like the actual emotional storytelling to be the payoff. Um, And also uh, like I was telling a friend of mine who she was saying, you know, I can't really get a vibe on this show. And I was like, well, because the show wants to play in the sandbox of a bunch of genres and at its heart, it's a dark satire, I would say, but Mm -hmm. it treats it's characters with such reverence and honesty that it can turn into like sentimental drama, um, you know, occasionally. Um, and yeah, you just kind of like have to buy into that. Um, but I dearly love it. Uh, and that was also uh, near the top of my list, White Lotus. Yeah. Mike White has been making TV and film for like 30 years. And this is his first massive hit. 
outside of School of Rock. Like, he directed School of Rock and was in it. But beyond that, like, he's just been, like, indie TV show guy or Chuck and Buck, which I don't know if you've seen that. It's it's a weird movie. And so the fact that he has the White Lotus as this thing, which was basically an ad or a, a executive HBO going, hey, Mike, I know you write fast. Can you do something that we can film during the pandemic? And he was like, sure. And he had a script and a cast within a month. And then they filmed the whole thing. And then it was a huge hit. And so they did it again. And it was, even, I would say, arguably a bigger hit for season two. So I just think it's cool that he's had that opportunity. Um, read up on Mike White. He's a really interesting dude. Um, yeah. So then we go to my number four. Is that right, Millie? Yes. Okay. My number four is This Is Going to Hurt. Um, it is a show from the, uh, Britain that is about the NHS. Um, the perspective character is played by Ben Wishaw, um, who's been in, in a ton of things. You've probably seen him. Um, and it is a Fleabag style in that he talks to the camera a lot. Um, and it is about the failures of the NHS as a system, especially in how it impacts doctors and patients um, uh, and who benefits from that as a result. And his, it is based as an autobiographical TV show um, based on the life of a guy who later quit being a doctor named Adam Kay. Uh, it is hysterically funny for the first 70% of every episode. And then it will just knock you on your ass with tears. Um, it is tremendous television. I cannot recommend it enough. You can, it's on AMC Plus. I don't, I get it through Prime. I don't know if that's because I pay for it or because it comes with Prime. Um, uh, it is staggeringly good. And we finished it like four nights ago, five nights, right before we went to um, Great Wolf Lodge. Uh, it was the thing I was kind of holding off on because I knew pretty quickly that I was going to, it was going to be in my top 10. And it moved up to top four. Um, it's the the way it gets you to care about the world is is unbelie unbelievably good. Uh, and the only reason it is in, in my top three is because the next three shows all have that same kind of vibe of like making you laugh, making you feel weird, giving you some kind of like really up emotion and then just gut punching you um, and do it uh, a little bit more uh consistently or have a, I have more trust in the story in the world that it's about because I don't give a shit about doctors um at, at least in storytelling um but he's an obstetrician so he's delivering babies and we get to see a lot of that uh so it's very graphic in that regard too um but it's it's tremendous television so I cannot recommend it enough what is your number four Millie well, real quick, my number four and my number three, I've already mentioned, and it just kind of sucked because they're the holders from last year. Oh, I feel yeah. like if it's an entire year later and almost a year later since I've seen them even, because it was definitely Q1 of 2022, um, the fact that the Wilds, Yellow Jackets, and Station Eleven are still living in my head, hmm. um, and I can't 
wait for season two of Yellow Jackets, which is really taking its time, but it's coming. Um, those those three are my uh, four and my three. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go back and rehash it again and again, but they're just, it's just good, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I was a holdout on Station Eleven for a really long time. And once it sort of captures you, it, you you can't look away until you're exhausted. And and that's the only like reason to take breaks. <laughs> it's so good, but it's it, it's it's very emotional. Um, and it's just, a weeper. It's it just is. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and you find these connections that, that I feel like the filmmaking has helped you along the way to make, but they don't make them all for you. It's not spoon fed to you. You you feel the connection sometimes before you make the full connection, and that's not something that. Uh, television and even film can do very often so i station 11 is super special and i didn't even think about it and it screwed up my whole top 10 list but it's worth it (laughs) and then on to my number three is that right yeah uh season three of barry um oh man yeah hilarious and gut punches like yeah uh it is and what was that, Curtis? Tell me anything. Okay. Oh, Curtis. Oh, the filmmaking, yeah. the filmmaking of, of it is outstanding. The performances are outstanding. So um, good. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. It's one of the. It makes you examine your how you root for characters that are the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and also. It makes you examine, and and also Vanessa Bayer gives a five minute performance that is among the best on TV from the last year. <laughs> um, it, it was just tremendous. So uh, I really loved it. And Gut Punch, yeah, it meets that oh, level uh, absolutely, and just hilarious. Like, yeah, um, it might be the funniest season, but also just the gut punchiest season. Yeah, um, yeah, it 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 it, it goes to almost absurd lengths sometimes and right when you think it might be going too far it just kind of like reins it all back in um yeah really really terrific television we still haven't watched season three but i have to say i've seen it on just about every top 10 list and pretty high so um in addition to alana's recommendation uh i definitely is inspiring me to get back in on the berry train it, it, the, the the reason that Barry's three and not one or two is because it starts off a little slow, like it it's getting back into it. It, it, it. But then once Vanessa Byer shows up in that episode, from there on out, it's all bangers. So, um, so then my number two, which Millie mentioned was her number eight, uh, is Severance. Um, uh-huh. I think we talked a lot about that on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird. Uh, awesome TV with the single best episode of television of the year for me in that season finale. Um, when watching that, I didn't breathe. I didn't mm-hmm. breathe for the entire episode. Uh, and watching Adam Scott, watching um, uh, all these, uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, Zach Terry, and um, Britta, not Britta, Brit. Something <laughs> I wanted to remember her name, um, but watching them put 
forth these performances where it's like a lot of people who are who have been supporting cast in, in a lot of things like invisible supporting cast having these opportunities to shine um the production design on that show is phenomenal uh, and i can't wait for season two whenever it comes uh, it was also one of those ones that where i got in on the ground floor immediately um i think i've watched that whole season three times i, I just thought it was astounding tv and really um vital storytelling about today oh absolutely yeah i um have a story to tell you which is uh i hadn't watched it yet i think you all know i finally joined the cult and got apple tv very recently um and december 26th is an office holiday for many people because uh christmas fell on a sunday and i am one of them and i was lucky enough to say I am exhausted and I just want to watch TV all day. What, what, what? Oh, I know. I'll start severance. What if, I'm done. <laughs> Y'all, it's, it's the 27th. I binged it in a day. Did you breathe during the last episode of that season? No, but it was. I did. <laughs> it was so late and I'm like watching it with headphones in the bed and Evan comes in he needs to go to sleep I just keep pausing it so I will probably rewatch the finale just because the pacing of it and it was the end when the thing happens and mm -hmm. everything is like holy shit so I'll probably go back and rewatch all of that because there's also just a lot of pieces in it mm -hmm. of reveals and pieces and a lot of it is like oh I know oh yep that's what's happening um just that that last episode is fantastic my biggest surprise I, I would say is that I was like, who is that? Who is that episode two? Patricia Arquette? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. What? Yep. She's great. Yeah. She is fin I have issues with her in most things. Like she drives me a little crazy. Um, a little bonkers with her herness. Um and in this it is it's like this perfect pinnacle of all of a lot of roles that she's done and pulling them together into this complete character where for me she entirely disappeared mm -hmm. that I just that performance is is fantastic um but they all are they're so you know and and John Totoro and 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 walk in I love like, that it's story just, there's so much their relationship happening. it also and same deal. It's like it took me a minute. The first episode was like, oh, everybody likes this though. I guess I'll keep going. I don't know how I feel about this. And then it was eight hours later. Um, <laughs> it is that good. It should probably be higher on my list, but I just saw it. So I don't think it's entirely sunk into me yet. It was written by a graduate from the Western Theater Department. Yeah. 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 He grew up in Olympia for those people that care about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He went to Western with a bunch of people who were ghostlight folks. Um, they were all in the same classes together. So they were, a bunch of my friends were real excited about that. 
we 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 know people who were in like the workshops when it was starting mm-hmm. out as a stage production yeah. before it turned into a TV show. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love the guy who played Milchik for me that he was like a revelation for me. I just think he is such a charismatic and outstanding actor. And I hope he becomes a star because <laughs> he's got those qualities. Um, yeah, I love I that. I mean, oh, man. Yeah. You got to check it out. I don't know why I've been slow on that one. Yeah. Because hey, I just did it. I hear you. Your laziness and like, I don't know. Uh, Heather, again, is another that I'm affected by my wife's, you know, choices. She was like, she she went two episodes in and was kind of like, nah, not for me. So, <laughs> uh, so are we at number one? What do we got for number uh, one? No, Millie's number two, oh. which we already talked about, right? Yeah, mine was Peacemaker. So Peacemaker, we've already okay. done my number two. What do you got for number one? I have the resort. Uh, this is my number seven. Which is another show that we have uh, talked about at length. So I, I don't need to go on and on about it. And this is, uh, this is a, a long pod, so I won't. Other than to say, if there is one show that I recommended to every single human being this year, it's The Resort. And I'm like, but you got to get Peacock. But I don't know. It's kind of free, but it's kind of not. And I don't know. I subscribed to it finally. They had a special. It was 99 cents a month for one year. I said sold because it comes if you have Xfinity Internet, it is free. The Peacock app is free through your Xfinity Internet. Um, The show, though, not Peacock, the show itself is just it's just everything I want out of a show. It has magical, mystical properties. It has subplots and side adventures that are worth your time and ultimately do have something to do with your main plot. But even if they didn't, the character development is also important enough to merit the time that is given um, to little things like the Frias family history. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all important. Um, mm-hmm. Nick Offerman as the father and, mm-hmm. and his side quests and life. Um, these things, they all matter. Nothing's wasted in this show. Um, but at its core to me um it's emotional it's it's mm-hmm. about connection and letting go and it's about being able to come from a place i mean it's it's pretty early on in the show that you you learn that she's had a miscarriage and that that has been an issue uh in their marriage for years because she hasn't been able to come back from that and reconnect with her husband. It really is mostly on her. (laughs) He's trying, he's trying really hard. Um, And the way that we get there all matters. And it all matters in this weird, magical, mystical way. It is just, for me, you're talking about like your perfect show, like so much of the show is my perfect television because I love that other world element mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i really deeply loved this mo- this show as well it was a huge surprise like uh, like a peacock i mean granted one of my favorite shows from last year was also on peacock um uh, which is coming back for a season two it's um the muslim punk girl band um we are lady parts highly recommend yes. that 
Um, but this, I've never seen magical realism presented as earnestly as it was in this. Like Lodge 49, which is another show I'm rewatching right now, has a lot of magical realism elements. But this, um, based on where they were and the world that they were engaging with, being in Mexico, uh, based on the stories that they were holding on to about themselves, especially um, the uh, Frias uh, detective guy um, uh, that he came into, uh, and how that affected their relationships and how they were moving through the world and how that impacted one another as they were searching for this mystery that was a really fascinating time dilation mystery. Um, all of those things fit together in a, a perfect box. Um, and it had genuine magic at the end, genuine and actual magic. I gasped, and I don't react like that to D to TV, but the, the resolution of the story was stunning and surprising and earned and meaningful and perfectly encapsulated the whole show and what it was doing, even though it was outlandish and like, oh my God, how, how it's, it was actual magic. Uh, and the fact that it went there was just amazing. And so I, I share your love for this show. Um, it's the one show that I rated. I kind of gave these shows scores. And I scored it a nine. But I knew it was in my top ten. Even though every other show in my top ten is a ten. Um, and that was just a gut thing uh, in terms of like filmmaking and story and all of that. But like my enjoyment of it was more than that because of that magic. So, and, and I have also recommended it to everyone I know, but you and my boss are the only people I know who watched it. So like Peacock. <laughs> um, so my number one is the bear. Um, I think another theme about this year is surprise. Like this, you know, I, I look at my list and most of it is season ones. There's like some things that are a little bit extended and some things that are loosely associated with existing IP. Um, but the bear was shot on a shoestring um, with largely unknown known performers. I mean, Jeremy Allen White, the lead um, was, uh, he's kind of known, and Evan Moss Backrack, who's right here, um, he's in Andor, uh, and he is, he's been around a little bit, he was also in The Dropout, and Ayo Edabiri, who is um, in that bandana right there, um, she is a voice on Big Mouth, and she's done some other things, some writing on, on different shows, um, and uh, I should say, this was your number five, is that right, Millie? Yes, my number five. And I should say, uh, I, I cheated a little. Devin and I are on the last episode, oh, okay. like five minutes into the last episode. So we got through the review. Um, it is, uh, again, haven't digested it yet fully, haven't finished it and was willing to go ahead and put it where I had it. Uh, yeah, it's surprising. It's talk about the gut punches. There aren't really mm -hmm. that many laughs but you enjoy it 
it's 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 good emotional food Mm -hmm. and episode seven which is the episode that uh amelia was kind of i think just referencing is a one-shot episode about a day in a kitchen and having worked in that type of space before uh it was perfect it was exactly days yeah wait was it Um, really a one-shot yeah I the mean, there was, so there was the there was the monologue at the start that was at AA or um, uh, Al-Anon. Yeah. And then credited. And then the whole, as soon as tickets started coming in, the, the first shot is on the ticket thing. That's all one shot. They rehearsed it four times. Or they ran it four times. Start to finish resetting props and everything. Oh, and, wow. and then did it as a one Makes sense. I mean, the urgency and 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 adrenaline of yeah. that episode um, is it's rivaled only by the season finale of Severance. Yeah, <laughs> like those two, and those are my two favorite episodes of TV this year. Um, I just think I think it's a really special thing, and nobody expected it to do anything. They dropped it on Hulu all at once. It was yeah, like no you're, fanfare, you're, no fanfare. I, yeah. d- I saw one preview for it and I was like, I'm going to love that. I can tell. <laughs> and like, this is a comedy drama that takes place in a kitchen in Chicago. Uh, like, sign me up. I'm there. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah. that was probably my favorite TV show of the year as well, The Bear. Um, I related to it. Number one, just I cut my teeth in the kitchen. Um, like it was, I was working in kitchens since I was 14 years old. Um, and uh, so I just understand that world so much. And that TV show captured that the world that I know in ways that I have never seen like life captured on film before. Mm-hmm. Just like and I had to keep pausing episode seven because my I, my heart rate was up. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I was like, I had that anxiety. I have just like, I've been there. Um, but I'm also just a sucker for stories about people who um, aren't meeting their potential mm-hmm. um, and, you know, struggling through their own shit, whether it's their history and their own mental health and um, battling their own sort of, you know, demons and those patterns that, um, you know, those unhealthy patterns that we can get into. Like, I relate to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found the whole story just so deeply human. Um, and also just like, you know, that Sufjan Stevens song, like right at the end of it is just right. like, just like, it's still perfect. Now, every time I hear that song, all I think about is that those closing moments of the bear. And the fact that the other, the other piece of it that really, really, really worked for me, Millie, and I'm not going to spoil it is in the last episode, the turn and tone from episode seven to episode eight, because mm-hmm. it is totally, completely different. We've just been ravaged emotionally. And then we have this moment. It was it was very similar to White Lotus, where it was like, oh, right, this is a comedy. Like, yeah. the end the end moments, what happens in there, it's like, holy fuck. Like, amazing, hilarious, perfect. This changes my whole view of it. It was great. It was wonderful. And I, I you know, I, I loved it. Um, so, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We did watch the first few minutes. So with with her having dinner in her home with, uh, I don't know anybody's name in this show, um, <laughs> the guy who makes donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no, there's, yeah, we, we, we needed that. Yeah. And but then when they get back to the restaurant, there's something that happens at the restaurant that is like, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. awesome. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Glad to hear. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Curtis, did you watch The Bear yet? Yeah, it was one of my favorite shows. It was one of the few okay. shows I Thought watched so. uh, with Heather. Heather and I watched it together, and we quite enjoyed it. It took me. It took me probably about three episodes to really get what everybody was hyping it out to be like i was kind of like you know sort of like okay i'm not really grabbing this thing but yeah um once your boy oliver platt showed up and everything changed what's that <laughs> yeah and then yeah, oliver, oliver, oliver platt showed, showed up, up and everything changed oh yeah. what showed up and oliver, oliver platt oh and, then, and, then, and they drug yeah 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 i don't know i kind of i just uh, to me it just took a while for me to sort of get the feel of where this whole thing was going because i sort of felt like yeah i didn't really initially see it as a comedy i kind of thought like this was sort of literally kitchen sink in a really intense sort of messed up dysfunctional way which is normally my cup of tea but like i just i don't have I don't have the experience of working in a kitchen. So I was coming from it from, I think more of an outsider sort of perspective on the show, but you know, I, um, I, I definitely know what it's like to be, you know, a fuck up and a screw up and struggle, you know? So, you know, I got like a lot of that and the cousin Mikey character and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, and uh, I love the sous chef in the show. I thought mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And the ending, uh, no spoilers at all, but I think it's one of the best endings of like a season that I've probably seen all year. It's right up there with Andor. I'll put it right up there with Andor. Cool. Yeah. Um, I did just want to give a quick shout out to the two shows that got thrown out of my top 10 list when I realized the reality of uh, the year. And that is um, Reacher and Strange New Worlds, two shows that I also just super dug and I've talked about on this show, so I won't do it again, but Reacher, Strange New Worlds, my also I love Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds is great. Um, it, it didn't enter my uh, top list either, but uh, I thought about it, but uh, just super fun. And I just wanted to call out, um, uh, I hate Susie too as being likely in my top 10, um, but I haven't finished it yet. Uh, and it's because it's performance art on TV. And I'm just like, I was thrilled by the first episode, but I've only seen one, so. I, uh, I, have, I have two episodes that were in my top list or two uh, seasons of TV that were my top list that were not in yours. And that is the last season of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um uh donald glover's uh tv show atlanta which i highly recommend to everybody when you're talking about you know three quarters comedy and then they just get you with that gut punch um that is atlanta and that last season in particular um and also uh season three of rami 
Um, same sort of deal, really, really hilarious. And then we'll just rip you apart emotionally. Um, and this season of Rami uh, is each season, it just gets a little more mature in its storytelling and emotional payoff. And this season, the end of it is so, so, so good. Um, and I highly recommend both shows if you haven't seen them. Um, Rami is on Hulu. Um, yeah, so check it out. And uh, Atlanta's FX, but I think you can also watch it on Hulu. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any last words? Uh, this was thrilling. I loved doing this. Thank you. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> enjoy these uh, these long dork offs. It's a so, dork hey, off. <laughs> yeah. If you're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, you should uh, you should follow us wherever you listen to it. Hit that plus sign or that follow button or whatever snazzy thing you got on there. If you can't find us on your preferred podcast app, just let us know. It's easy to get on those kind of things. You can find us on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher and Audible and the Googles and whatever other nonsense words you can find out there in the dictionary i if you, you should check out curtis's blog 12life.com but you should also check out uh that episode of the sound he did uh we think it's episode six it's the one about tight ends uh, when you search for it you can rock find paper it. scissors there you go. Yeah, the sound rock paper scissors. Check it out. It's uh, it's actually really, really terrific uh and curtis uh dare i say eloquent in it yeah Eloquent. Like Eloquent. That. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. Uh, once again, for Millie Curtis Solana, the rest of the twelves, saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.